0: What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and this is a Foiling Series show. Uh, Today's guest is my good friend, Mike Pedigo. You know him on Instagram, uh, Flyline Productions. I think it's Flyline underscore Productions. He is based in St. Augustine. He rides for GoFoil. And... Um, I think he's one of the best guys uh, on the East Coast for sure and out there. Um, Pushes me super hard all the time when we're foiling together. And he's also kind of a thought partner of mine to where we are constantly uh, bouncing ideas back and forth. And we've been on the same growth path over the last, I don't know, six, eight months now. Uh, And so this podcast represents a lot of the things that we have been diving into and discussing in our journey to uh, get better at foiling. So I think you guys are going to like it. I'm going to keep the intro really short today because it's a longer podcast. So enjoy the show. Hit me with any questions, comments, feedback, constructive, and thanks for tuning in. All right. Enjoy learning from Mike Pedigo.
1: Do you hear my baby in the background?
0: (laughs) I just heard Banner, yeah. (laughs) Mike Pedigo, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. This is super long overdue. How's it going? Definitely.
1: Good, man. Stoked to be here. Stoked to be on it. Looking forward to this for a while.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that most folks who listen to the show know you because of our foiling adventures. I reference them all the time. So this is the famous Mike Pedigo who um, battles me. Non stop when we're down in Florida. Constant so.
1: foil battles. Constant foil battles.
0: Yeah. It's it has been helped me so much, man. Having having you to foil with in Florida has made me such a better foiler. So it's awesome.
1: No doubt. It's always good to have somebody to push you. That's definitely the, the role you've filled for me is having somebody keep checking myself. I'm like, dang, he's doing that already. I gotta get on it. Yeah, as equally obsessed,
0: I think is the real <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. And just having somebody to bounce stuff off of, bouncing bouncing ideas off you, like, you know, different lines, like, hey, man, I'm trying this today. So it's huge to have somebody to bounce that off of.
0: Yeah. Some of our conversations, Mike and I talk frequently, um, generally, very specifically about foiling. And some of our conversations should have been recorded and been podcast. So I hope we can kind of redo some of those today. But before we dive in, man, um, give everybody a quick history of, of who you are, how you got into foiling your board sport path, maybe even touch on that short movie that you made about passions in your life. Cause I think that's pretty special too. And then we can, uh, dive in on, on foiling. Sure. Um,
1: so basically i've been involved in water sports since i can remember i mean i started surfing at a really young age and became super obsessed with surfing like you know elementary through junior high high school surfing was like all i wanted to do um and then living in florida you're kind of challenged being a you know if you're in love with surfing and you live in florida it's almost like a curse you know you're like you're like god i just want to surf and you just don't you so rarely get the waves that you really want you know, to be able to like work on the things you want to work on. Um, So I started, uh, I started kite surfing. I started seeing kite surfers out and I was like, oh man, I got to do that. You know, and I gravitated to that. And that took up a, I still bounce back to kite surfing now, today even. And um, that took up a few years and I I bounced into um, subsurfing. I did that real heavy. That was like all I wanted to do for a few years. Um, And then I bounced back into longboarding and, Did um, competitive longboarding and contests and stuff and just heavily focused on nose riding and loved the feeling of nose riding. Um, That's around when my shaping got real serious, too, which uh, we'll probably dive into later. But um, what really, I think, brought me to foiling, all these different water sports that I've gotten into, uh, when I saw foiling coming about on the Internet, I realized how applicable it was to our local conditions here. And I was like, man, like I have, I have to do that. It was like this un, undeniable like gravitation that pulled me towards that sport, you know. And um, I had a buddy, uh, Dave Slint, in town who had one of the first generation slingshots. I think it was like a slingshot gamma or something. The thing's like a brick; it's like full on steel, you know, looks like a death machine. But he hit me up one day, and he's like, dude, I got this. I got this hydrofoil. You, you got to come try this. You know, he's got a couple skis, so we went out. And, um, and I gave it a shot and went through all the same learning curves that all, you know, all your listeners have probably gone through in foiling, you know, with the breach out of the water, immediate nose dive, weird turny feels. And eventually I started kind of dialing it and I loved the feeling of the glide. And, um, and he pulled me into my first wave on the shoals and that was it. It was, it was over for me. I was like, I will sell whatever I need to sell even if, even if it's like my body on the streets, I am going to get into this sport. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, couldn't think of another way to tell you how bad I wanted it. But that's the first thing that came to mind.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so Maybe I just we could go uh, there in this podcast. See why that's the first thing you went to.
1: Right. Uh, that'll be another deep dive. Yeah. So I, um, I, I planted the seed with my wife. I'm like, look, this is, I, I'm going to have to do this. Like, I'm sorry, but this is something I have to do. And, um, started kind of doing some research on foils, which at the time, this was, uh, let's see, going on about two years ago now, probably started doing my research and it was tough. You know, there wasn't a ton of, um, information out there. This was before the progression podcast was out progression project podcast. So I didn't have that to go to, you know, to get uh, gear advice and stuff. And, um, I just did a bunch of research online and I uh, landed on my first foil and it just took off like a rocket from there. I just haven't stopped. I can't stop thinking about it. It's like all I want to do,
0: <laughs> you know? So I do know. Um, so you do have an incredible longboard background. I know that you're a good surfer all around. What do you bring from longboarding? Cause that's not a background that I have what do you bring from longboarding into foiling? And it's been fun to watch, another caveat here, it's been fun to watch the evolution of your style and my style, because it seems like they're starting to converge a little bit more. But you definitely yeah. started off in a different place than I did, um, as mostly like a short border and, and you're mostly, I would say, probably better at longboarding than shortboarding. I hope I'm not putting words yeah, in your mouth there.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I, I like shortboarding as much as the next guy, but there was a point in my surfing history where I realized that I was just having way, way more fun on a longboard and I was able to longboard more and get better at longboarding easier because of the waves we had, you know? So I definitely gravitated towards the longboard and spent the majority of my time surfing on a longboard. Um, to answer your question though, I think, um, I, you know, it's probably some of the, even from the beginning and foiling, like some of the lines I'm drawing. you know, I was able to, so like on a longboard, you know, when you can catch a, and I ride a 10 foot nose rider, that's my go-to longboard. So I can get on a wave pretty freaking early. Um, you know, you get on a wave and do, we used to call it a fade, you know, so I get on a wave and I'd fade back towards the peak and then I would make my turn and kind of set up, you know, um, a pocket line for a nose ride so that stuff um, translating into foiling came really naturally when I was able to get on a wave super, super early and reading the wave and like where I want to be and when the timing is. That's definitely something that's um, that's that's connected to my longboarding past. that and um, maybe moving around on the board a little bit. I, I miss nose riding for sure. That's one small thing about foiling that I miss, but I'm finding that, I'm still able to, to change my, my foot position and move around on the foil board some. And I love that feeling too. Like just the feeling of putting your stance closer together and trimming down the line. You know, that, that kind of has a longboard feel to it that I love about foiling for sure.
0: You know, the limited experience that I have longboarding and nose riding, to me, I find that when you set that perfect line on a foil, like in your right, as close to the pocket as you can be without breaching, there's a similar feeling to that as, as to being, you know, right locked in on a on longboard on the nose. Is that similar to you?
1: I, I would totally agree. Absolutely. Especially <laughs> because we're riding these boards that are like four feet long. So the view you're getting is kind of similar in that aspect. You know, the, one of the cool things about being on the nose of a longboard is like, all you're seeing is wave, you know, it's like, right. Kind of weird. like, it's, it's kind of a trippy feeling, but that's one of the really cool things about foil boarding. You're, you're so in tune with the experience because the, 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 the board's not blocking your experience, you know, just mm-hmm. the view you're getting. And, the, and even as far as like the sound, I mean, you're, it's quiet. You're cutting through the the view you get of the wave in front of you. Yeah, that's definitely similar. I'd say to nose riding.
0: Yeah. Um, going back through some of the better aha moments that we have had over the last year, And I think that one of the big ones was, and I remember where I was, I was driving around Jack's beach and we were talking and, and you, you brought up an epiphany that you had about what shimming does, what lift does. Um, why don't you walk, do you remember that conversation? Yeah, vaguely for sure. Why don't you walk Um, back through that and let's kind of like recap that because that was such a big moment in understanding because you and I were on the same thing. We, we had been talking. We had this ongoing conversation for a few weeks about we were experimenting with different tails and different shims, different amount of lift. And and then the epiphany that you had was about how with shimming or with more lift, keeping the board on rail, so to speak, or the foil on rail is opening up flow and speed. And, and go go through that because that was such a unique yeah. understanding and, and, and I think yeah, one of your I more brilliant moments. Yeah,
1: now- now that you bring that up, I definitely remember that aha moment. And I think yeah. it, it came from me understanding more, like like kind of meditating on how the foil works and why it works the way it does. And the the kind of epiphany that I came to was, was it's it, the tail the tail stabilizer is pulling down on the foil setup. So when you're when you're and that's what's facilitating the whole turn, and I didn't realize that till I till I thought on it that day. So as you're leaned into a turn, the tail stabilizer has a little bit of an angle of attack downwards, and it's also got the lift that's pulling downwards. So when you lean into a turn, the tail is facilitating the turn. And so, you know, with regards to shimming and stuff and different tail sizes, different stabs, um, you know, I think what we were meditating on was, okay, well, you know, you got, you can change your angle of attack or you can get a bigger tail wing and it, you know they each create the same effect and we're kind of bouncing back and forth between on like what's the that happy medium but what's really cool is when you're in a turn on a foil you're actually allowing the tail stabilizer to go in the direction it wants to go so so what it feels like to me and I think I remember you agreeing with me on this yep. is the crazy thing on on turning with the foil is you're like gaining speed and it's like why is that and the, the the reason the only thing that makes sense to me is the reason is because you're allowing the tail stabilizer to go the direction it wants to go so you're you're actually creating less drag when you're turning on a foil and it just kind of blows my mind but I don't know if I explained that
0: right but um I yeah, agree. that's just I would back it up a step though and I would say that you can't look at just the tail without looking at the relationship between your front and rear, your, your front foil and your tail foil. And so the two in combination have an optimal angle of attack through the water or radius of turn through the water. And so if you are leveled out going straight, but the foil wants to lift and you're putting more weight forward, you're increasing drag to flatten out where the foil actually wants to to go. Yes. But then when you allow that foil through a turn to express the arc that the foil, the two foils in combination want to do, you're actually decreasing drag. So you're, you're more efficient through the water. And so with a shimmed uh, foil or with a foil, that's, that's uh, a tail, a front wing that's balanced more for more lift, it's actually balanced for a tighter arc. And so the more you keep that turning So if you think like one of the Kiahi small wave videos or I don't know, some of the stuff that Kane does, um, you're more efficient, you're faster through the water. And so you actually are accelerating the whole time. And that was such a, that was such a, like, I understood Kiahi surfing more through watching through through that level of understanding and then going back and, and watching his videos. And then for the last couple of months, that's really been what I've been trying to optimize, which is going much faster through turning, which is not just a pump through turning, you know, like is the Zane podcast Zane was talking about how you can pump through turning and you can do that. But it's really the understanding that you're accelerating. The foil is more efficient as you're turning. And so by continually turning, you're able to, to be more efficient in the water. There's less drag, you're able to go faster. And then you're also going back and forth across the power of the wave. So there's, there's more speed there as well. Um, I think when, like, surfing a long time ago, I reformat, like, the way that I look at it, the framework of my brain is this whole optimization of energy, con- conservation of energy, um, and then using energy in a turn, and when to burn energy high on a wave, when to maintain it low on a wave. And then I kind of, that mindset through that conversation that we had really made sense to me in foiling. And I was like, okay, this is this is big. And then now through trying to express that, I'm able to surf smaller less lifty waves or less lifty waves sure. and smaller waves and
1: yeah it's I awesome. think you did you ex, you just explained that really really well That definitely resonates with me and that man just to add on that a little more that's something i've noticed um is a big difference between um not to pump up our our level because we've got a long way to go for sure but somewhat you know uh, riders on our level versus newer riders you know, when, there's, when newer riders are surfing waves, there's so much more pumping going on. And I, I watch that, and I'm seeing the wave they're on sometimes, and I'm like, man, they don't need to be pumping right there, you know? They need to be turning, or they need to uh, trim a, you know, a better line via turning, you right. know? And I, I just – I see that a lot, and uh, I think some people watch foiling – you know, it's just, it looks like so much pumping. And, you know, even when people are on waves, they're doing the monkey jump, you know, whatever. Some of the foil haters would say stuff like that. But it doesn't need to be that way. Like, if you learn mm-hmm. to use the foil to its most efficient manner, you know, and then as a double edged, like, or a perfect um, combo, you're using the wave too because you're turning more. Right. The speed you can obtain is mind blowing. And then when you do those cutbacks and you come back to the curl with so much speed that you, like, you don't even know what to do with it. You know, that's, that's something that surfing can't, just can't give you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The feeling of accelerating through a turn is one of the things that I find so special about foiling because you don't get that necessarily in, in, in other board sports. Usually you're burning speed.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember my shortboarding days in Florida, you know, it was like a good day is pop up on a wave you know pump down the line a little bit to set up one big bash and bleed all your speed off you know yep and uh and now it's like a totally different mindset as far as speed goes and you know how to maintain it and what i can do with it yep. bleeding off speed on a foil is like a whole different animal you know? <laughs> <laughs> like you really have to think about that and draw super different lines to bleed off speed on a foil
0: how do you do it
1: I'm kind of. My goal is always kind of using the bottom of the wave. You know, I want to get as far out in front of the wave as I can. That's kind of my go-to for bleeding off speed, and that also helps set up a top turn. You know, Mm -hmm. but you but you kind of have to have the right section of the wave too. So like, if it's a super mellow wave, I can't really get way out in front of the wave and into the flats. You know, so then you you kind of you have to do face turns. But if you have a pockety wave that jacks up i'll use that steepness and get and try to get as far out in front of the wave as i can into the flats then set up my turn and then i can get a little bit more vertical um you know on my top turn so that and uh like fade lines too like like i was talking about with the longboard you know so like maybe not drop straight down a wave and get to the flats maybe i drop down and back towards the curl a little bit so that by the time i i actually do my bottom turn i'm a little closer to the curl when i do my top turn those are the lines you have to think about on a foil versus a surfboard you know
0: yeah i mean that's something that you and i in, in foiling and you know jacksonville st augustine so much the foil is a lot faster than most of the waves and so it's a constant I mean, I actually will a lot of times ride bigger wings so that I am more in tune with the speed of the wave versus outrunning everything, even on, you know, and this is something that Adam Bennett and I've been kind of like texting back and forth about, and he wants to go as fast as possible all the time, but he's, you know, at that next level up from where I'm at. And right. for me still, it's easier to I mean, mute that. I always forget that. I'm sorry, guys. Um, uh, it's easier for me to maybe ride a little bit bigger of a wing with a little bit more drag so that my speed is matched to the wave. So my, my lines are a little bit more surfy than they would be. I feel like I can fit in the waves a little bit better. Um, sure. Sometimes with, with a slower speed wing.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean like, you know, yeah. Watching you on your, your one ninety versus, versus you on a, um, you know, one of your bigger MSCs or something, you can see the difference in the surfing right there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
0: So, so you ride
1: uh go now. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been on GoFoil for almost a year now. Um, and I'm, and I'm loving it. I started on, um, I started on a slingshot setup and nothing against slingshot, but it's just not, um, it's not there to the level that,
0: you know, I, I want my gear to be. And you're talking um, about first generation swingshot. Yeah, I had the yeah, eighty-four I, yeah, that too ride that too. engine. So I mean, they've come a long way. I'm sure they're really good now, but but that first generation GoFoil stuff was like a weapon.
1: Yeah. So the so oh, sorry, on the slingshot, slingshot stuff. Um I was on a 76 Infinity, which was I, I pretty much learned on that one in a surf. That's where my prone surfing started with that wing. And I made my first connection with that wing um, and I wanted to pump better. So I bumped up to the, to the 84, which is just this monster wing, you know? And, um, and I definitely was making more connections with that one and I was pumping better, but it was still super, super fatiguing. One thing I will say about the slingshot gear is it's definitely surfy. Like, you know, those, those wings lend to, you know a much more natural surfy feel than some of the other high aspect stuff that you kind of have to get used to right um but on that slingshot it was just heavy and i and i still wanted more and i went to this uh foil contest in coco beach and i was watching guys pumping around on go foils and that was around the time when the gl series first came out and i was like oh my god man like i'm blown i gotta have one of those so basically go back to my wife again and like, Hey babe, look, I, gotta <laughs> got have <happiness> like, <laughs> you know, you're seeing a trend here probably. But so, um, so I started making steps to make that happen. And, um, through, uh, through a local surf shop down here, um, I kind of got a hookup through with Alex and, um, he got me on some gear for real cheap. And I, I honestly, I haven't looked back. Um, it's been super fun. There's so many different, um, and I'm not trying to do a gofoil plug here. I'm just, <laughs> it's uh, there's so many different wing options I have now, that I have access to all the GL series. I mean, it's like and everything in between. You know, all the options are there with GOFOIL. So it's been super fun um, getting on getting on those wings and seeing what they can do. And those are the wings that bounce me into the high aspect stuff, which is just a whole nother level of efficiency it just blows my mind every time I, every time I go,
0: you know? So that's a good segue into the most like DMS that I get are about pumping, pumping efficiency, getting better at pumping. And that's a journey that you and I kind of went on together in a lot of ways. For sure. And I'd say that you are, I mean, as good as probably almost anybody out there at pumping you're better than I am because you have better cardio. That's all. Yeah,
1: uh, you always say that. I don't know why you say that, but whatever. We'll get, we'll get um,
0: past that. I got some ears on you, brother. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 it's terrible foiling Mike because he can stay up for like an extra minute than I can. But I try and then I about puke every time. So, um, but go through <laughs> your journey in pumping, what you've learned. And, what you know, I was actually looking. I almost sent you this clip the other day because your pumping style and my pumping style have converged as well it's almost like a mirror image Mm -hmm. now and you and i've been on the same path for efficiency and pumping and we're similar body size i got maybe 10 pounds on you right now but we have both optimized to being like really really close in mechanics so either we're both on the right path or we've taken a wrong wrong path somewhere but Talk, talk right. about what has, you know, what, what are the big aha moments along your pumping journey? What are you thinking about when you pump different wings, high aspect versus more surf wings? Um, For sure. and then we can have a conversation around this because that's something that everybody wants to get better at.
1: Yeah, no doubt. First, let me, let me just say I'm 175 pounds. Cause I always listen to podcasts and I watch people online and I'm like, man, I wonder how much they weigh. I wonder how much they weigh, you know? Um, so just that that's out there. I'm, a, I'm about a buck 75 So, um, with regards to pumping that has been, and I still completely squirrel out on, on pumping and I'm constantly thinking about how can I make this more efficient? How can I go faster? How can I burn less energy? And I think, um, a couple of the, the big key takeaways that I've learned through my experience is one, keeping the foil as high in the water as you can while you're pumping. And the, the reason I say, and you, you'll feel it is I know you felt it. you'll feel it as soon as you get that foil nice and high in the water column, you immediately feel uh, more efficiency. There's, there's, there's more glide. There's more lift.
0: Yep. And it feels harder. The water for me, it's, it's a, it's a dramatic increase in water density is what it feels like. All of a sudden it's, you don't feel like you're pushing against feathers or you're pushing against like ground. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a cool way to think about it for sure. And I mean, the reason that's happening is because you're, you're, you are actually making the wing more efficient because if you, if you can take, so think about your front wing and it's two feet underwater. So you, that front wing is having to lift you, your board, your mast and the two foot water column above it. So when you, when you bring the foil up high in the water column, now your foil is not fighting against, it's not lifting as much of a water column above it, it's just lifting you and your gear. So you're just gonna be able to go further longer if you can maintain a high position with your foil in relation to the surface of the water. Now having said that, that's tricky for sure. I mean, as you're learning that, you're gonna be breaching your foil more if you're really trying to get it high. But um, eventually you'll kind of find that sweet spot and then you'll also learn not to dive down so deep on your down pumps. That was one aha moment for me for sure. And mm-hmm. I know I know you're doing the same thing because I'm watching you do it. Um, so another thing I, I've found is uh, I've changed my, my foot stance up a little bit when I pump. So when I'm in my surf position, my back foot is – Roughly, and it depends on what foil you're on. Like I've noticed for you and and your setups, your back foot when you're surfing is a little behind your mast. My depends back on the foot setup, is. But yeah, yeah, and it definitely does depend on the setup. I, you know, and I when I'm watching Instagram, I'm seeing people. I'm like, oh man, their back foot's really far back or it's really far forward. It, it really depends on your setup. It depends on how your your tail wing shimmed. Um, but for me, when I'm surfing, for the most part, my back foot is at the back end of the mast. It's over the mast, but not quite past it. Now, when I'm pumping, I like to take my back foot and put it up a little bit. And I've what I've felt like that has done for me is take a little bit of the load off of my back foot when I'm pumping. So yep. I feel a little bit less fatigue on my back my back um, quad, you know, that like epic quad burn. And now it's it spreads it out a little bit to both legs, which I think is super helpful. And the analogy I like to use on that is imagine jump roping so you're jump roping you're trying to go for two three hundred clean jump ropes right so your feet are going to be close together and you're going to be just popping it's just like a little a little blip every time you jump rope right you're not jumping super high your feet are nice and close together and you're just doing your little your little blip that's kind of how I think about my pumping and I wouldn't want to jump rope in a wide squat stance I'd just be that would just be weird you know it doesn't it wouldn't feel efficient right so I kind of take that and equate it to pumping. Does that does
0: that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. All that is accurate in my uh in my experience for sure. You you move your stance up a little bit when you're pumping, don't you? I do. I try to move my front foot back now too. I've started moving my front foot a lot more. Yeah. I try to move my back foot up and my front foot back to get um as narrow as possible.
1: Right. Yeah. That's something I, I, I don't see beginners, you know, beginners learning to pump. They don't, they don't ever move their foot stance. And I mean, it take you know, you kind of have to dial it in before you're ready to take that leap into changing your foot stance up a little bit. But I mean, I, I just feel like it changes your efficiency so much when you can, when you can do that. Yep.
0: You know, but there's, it, it, it makes everything more sensitive though too. So beginners shouldn't necessarily be, be thinking about the first right, thing right. To, to narrow your stance sure. because you know, the closer your feet are together, the more sensitive the the movement between the weight balance between front and back foot is. So at the beginning, it's probably good to have a wider stance until you start to understand the rhythm until you're really comfortable. It's just like the whole, what you were saying there before about you see people pumping on waves and they're not turning well to turn for efficiency. Those turns are, are fairly difficult to do. So if you're still at the point where you're pumping to maintain speed, you're probably not ready yet to start thinking about turning for speed. You should be pretty efficient in turning and understand that Mm -hmm. before you, you don't want to get ahead of these steps because it might set you back just a,
1: yeah, I I would agree. I would agree for sure. But I think when you're at the, once you get to the point when you're, you're able to pump all the way back out to the lineup, maybe you're making your, you know, your, your first few connection turns you know you're pulling off shoulders and you're you're comfortable with pumping and now you're thinking to yourself man I just want to go further I want I want to burn less and be more efficient that's when you start thinking about inching up that back foot a little bit you know closing your stance just a yep. little bit so you can do that like jump rope type pump versus a versus like a you know squat like you're, you know a jump from a squat from a wide
0: squat yeah that's how i think about it um a couple of notes there some things i thought about while you were going through that um, one you're talking about breaching i think that when you're learning to stay high if you're in flat water that breach is not a dangerous breach i've never come close to hitting my foil breaching in flat water falling over the front it's only when you're breaching and you have wave energy that's then going to bring your foil back towards you so that's a pretty safe breach and i think that you should get used to playing around with breaching as you're pumping and then being able to hear because you can i hear it before i feel it i hear the water start to suck and once you hear that water start to suck you know how high you are and you know that you're like you're about to lose lift as soon as you start to ventilate it all off of that front wing so so that's a good um you should get really sensitive at feeling when you're about to breach and for me it's auditory
1: i would totally totally agree with you i yeah you can absolutely hear it and yeah you're When you breach and you're you're in flat water, you're always going to go forward plenty far ahead of the foil. So it's not something to be like scared about. And the only way to learn the parameters of what you can get away with is to breach. You know, like you have to you have to breach at some point to know how high you can go and what you can get away with. It's just part of the learning curve. You know?
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And then the other thing I was going to say is that I've never thought about it as far as weight on the foil. I've always thought about as as you're getting high and, and why it becomes more efficient. I've always thought about it like a, a reverse ground effect where ground effect when you're, and you, some of you people have probably felt this listeners have felt this if you're in really shallow water. And this happens on airplanes too. It's like when an airplane's going to land right when you get within one half of the wingspan off the ground, it changes the aerodynamics of the wing. And the reason that you get induced drag off of wings is because the high pressure on the bottom surface of the foil escapes over the top of the wing. And that creates these vortexes, vortices. And so that's where your induced drag comes from. Once you get within one half of the wingspan to the ground, that air can no longer escape, can no longer roll over onto the top and create that induced drag. So all of a sudden you get this extra boost. That's why when planes are taking off, they have to have enough speed to continue through the ground effect or when they're landing, they have to burn enough speed to actually land because you're going to hit that, you know, a ground effect and then you're going to have more lift. Um, I think, and I don't know, I'd love to get someone who knows a lot more about the aerodynamics of this or the hydrodynamics, but as you hit the, the water, the top of the water column, my hypothesis is that you're not getting the same release from the bottom of the wing um, just like you would, I call it like a reverse ground effect. And I, I don't know if you've thought that through, but that's, um, that's kind yeah, of what I think I, it is. I, I
1: never really, I never really thought about it quite like that. But, um, now that you mention it, I wonder if the, like the vortices we're talking about are, you know, you're not getting the same drag because the water column above the foil is so much different, you know? like maybe that has right. kind of has something to do with it. I have actually felt ground effect on the foil. Have you felt that like pumped over like super shallow water that you shouldn't be foiling over? You oh, know, 100%. About? Oh yeah. It's so it's so cool. It's like you have all of a sudden you have like this super hard surface that you can press against. Yep. And glide and glide for It's it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, but I love it. One more thing I just thought about um, with pumping and um, and height and reaching. Another thing that I'll do um, to, to check myself on, on how high I'm going is all actually, when I'm pumping sometimes, if I'm not about to make a wave connection or something, or if I'm just practicing on flat water, I'll look down at my foil and I'll see, I'll see my front wing. And sometimes I look down and I'm like, Oh man, I can be higher. I yep. need to be higher. The same thing. Yeah. So I'll check myself, you know, that's something, I mean, as people are learning to pump and, and really trying to be more efficient, especially if you're doing something like dock starts or something, man, look down, Look down and see where you're at. If you don't even see your foil, because because it's so deep <laughs> in the water, that
0: you,
1: you know you need to come up, you know, get higher. I'm always telling people that when we're doing dock starts, like I feel like I'm always yelling at them, get higher, get higher, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely something you can do also.
0: Yeah. What about body mechanics? What about arm swing? Um, yeah, man. Posture. Rhythm is a
1: whole – yeah, rhythm is definitely a whole nother thing. Um, I think, like, I always – man, Kane is – he's probably my my top idol as far as pumping goes you know and right. and um i i love the way the way he pumps the way his mechanics are having said that i think everybody has you know it's almost like deadlifts like you watch people do deadlifts and there's a certain way to safely do a deadlift but depending on your um on your structure you know my deadlift might look a lot different than somebody's deadlift that's four foot ten you know Yep. so like there's there's definitely that that comes into play so you kind of have to to some extent do what feels the most natural for you as far as like translating energy upwards you know when you're jumping but um past that the the rhythm is so huge like the arm swing you know when you're really trying to get some distance and be efficient i think the arm swing is super helpful um so you're not fighting your you're not fighting your arms you swing them forward you swing them back you know, and it's just a a pendulum. Like there's there's very little energy I'm putting into my arms; it just kind of happens
0: naturally. And then what, everything that about happens with your in arms? My lower
1: body goes with it. What,
0: what do you um, think about? Like what what are you trying to? Because I actually think about arm stuff a lot, and, and I, we've never talked about this, so this will be interesting.
1: Yeah, we haven't. Um, I let's see. Like if you imagine a box jump, you know, I don't know how much your your listeners work out or or do this stuff, so I'm I'm using some workout. Not as much system. as you, Mike may not help but (laughs) if you're if you're trying to jump up onto a box you know think about what your arms are going to do you know your arms start out at your side maybe even a little behind you and then as you jump as you're at the bottom you're compressing for your jump you're throwing your arms up into the air and it's taking weight off of your torso for the rest of the jump i think that's kind of similar to to my pumping just on a less energy level you know um, playing field it's like I'm I'm just trying to throw my arms up to help my legs. Does that make sense? Like I'm just yeah. taking weight off my torso using my arms.
0: So I don't know how else
1: to explain that.
0: That is what I think about. I have two, I guess I have like three different ways that I pump. It, it depends on what wings I'm on. But on a high aspect or on a surf wing, I have for both both of those wings, I have an efficient pump and then I have an acceleration pump. And I try to be as efficient as I possibly can until I'm going to connect. Usually there's probably about a three or four mile an hour difference. I would say between the two, I try to be Mm -hmm. as efficient as I can possibly be until I'm building to the connection. And my goal with building to the connection is accelerate so that I can glide from about where a bottom turn would start into the turn and carry speed all the way through that turn. Totally Um, makes sense. So in, The acceleration pump, I'm doing what you just talked about. In the efficiency pump, I use my arms basically to make myself heavier right at the inflection point of the foil coming up to down, right? Yep. So I try to like, I I let my arms swing and then everything gets as heavy as possible right on the bottom, right when my feet are also pulsing and then they go light again. And there's not a lot involved. It's just a swing that's perfectly in time, and I'm doing it right now. which probably looks really stupid if anyone's watching. But it's um, funny, I,
1: yeah. I was doing the same <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> but but there's like there's like I'm trying to keep I'm trying to just input as much weight directly down through uh, my feet as I possibly can. So right as that inflection hits, because I think the majority of your energy from a pump comes from from the inflection of of um, like. Uh, increased angle of attack to decreased angle of attack. And yeah. so I try to make that moment as heavy as I possibly can with as little effort as possible for the efficient pump. And then when it goes into like the acceleration pump, then I'm like full on box jumping, jumping as far forward yeah. as I can. And then trying to yes. really like dig on, the, on that inflection. I'm, I'm like springing again. And it's like everyone yeah. is getting faster and farther forward. And, and, you know, another thing that I think about a lot is I'm I'm actually trying to Jump forward the foil follows you so you just jump as far forward as you can and the board just comes with you um, Yeah, along I the like route.
1: I've always liked that um, That uh, comparison because that definitely that definitely fits well the jumping
0: forward. Yeah Yeah Um, how do your how does your pump change from like a high aspect wing to a more surf wing?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're definitely, they're definitely a little different. First, um, I thought about something too, when you were, um, when you're talking about, uh, your different, you know, what your goals is when you're pumping. And I wanted to touch on this too, is cadence. Yeah. So, um, my cadence definitely changes when I'm trying to like generate some speed, you know, I have a, like, so on my main, my maintenance pump, when I'm pumping back out to sea, Sometimes I'm pumping out to sea. I don't even see anything yet. And I'm like, I'm just going to pump until something shows up, you know, (laughs) that, (laughs) that pumping, I'm really trying to, so first I'm trying to pull off of the wave with plenty of speed so that I I don't have to like necessarily generate it from the get go. I'm just maintaining speed I pulled off with. Right. Talk about that. That's such
0: a a beautiful, when you dial that in, it's amazing. Uh, I've watched you do it a thousand times beautifully. so how, how do you what are you looking for? How do you try to exit this uh, exit the wave? Are you doing anything on the wave before you exit? Kind of walk through that second and a half of of foiling.
1: Yeah, so it's tough because you know most of us have a surfing background of some sort, and you know you're, you're in your uh, natural instinct is to ride a wave out till it's gone, you know, till you can't ride it anymore. But with foiling, you kind of have to, you know, if your goal is to, is to get back out and get a connection, you kind of have to ditch that wave you're on a little earlier, you know, before, before you, you have nothing left to generate any speed with, you know? So I'm constantly sizing up whatever wave I'm on. And when I feel like I'm starting to see an end in sight of this wave, that's when I'm, I'm making moves to, to get out the back. And I think the, The most simple thing you can do is find the most pockety section of the wave, the steepest part of the wave, and get a really high, fast line. And and as soon as you get the acceleration from that high, fast line, that's when you pull off the shoulder. And if you don't have that, then you use whatever, you know, the steepest part of the wave you have left, and you start pumping a little bit with the wave to facilitate that, that turn. I'm pumping down the line. I'm never pumping straight down the wave if I'm thinking about pulling off the shoulder, right? I'm all I gotta be going down the line because you're gonna just about double your speed if you're going down the line. So those are kind of my two my two methods of of getting out is finding a super high line and pulling out when I feel all of that acceleration before the acceleration starts to drop, I'm out. Or pumping with the line and then getting out. And once I'm out, you know, like I was talking about doing the the long pump back out to sea that's my, that's my maintenance pump. So my cadence, I'm trying to slow down my cadence to where, you know, just enough to, to keep going. You know I mean? If I like, I could speed it up and go a couple miles an hour faster, but I'm burning myself out so much faster. So it's going to be more efficient in the end. If I just stretch out each pump, you know, like I want to get, I don't know what kind of ground I'm covering, but you know, I want to cover like 20 feet per pump, you know, like really stretch it out, keep the foil nice and high glide back down, pump back up you know really stretching out the the amount of distance you're traveling per pump that's a that's a goal i have in my mind when i'm pumping and then when i'm coming up to a connection turn you know if, if the section is you know if i want more speed that's when i can increase my cadence and do more of that like box jump like high high intensity like punchy pumps you know before a connection turn so yeah. that's kind of where i'm at
0: um when you're exiting a wave, when are you timing your first pump off the back of the wave? How do you...
1: Yeah, that's a good question you... because it, it's... Yeah, I, I remember at first, I would immediately start trying to pump. And there's kind of a weird loss of energy, I think, when you're, when you're on the back of a wave. You know, so I'm finding that if, if I can get out with enough speed, I'd rather just glide over that um, low lift section Keeping the foil kind of high, so I have the most efficiency. Once I feel like that wave is past me, that's when I that's when I start my first pump. Does that make sense? you yep. felt that like weird lack of energy behind a wave. Oh yeah, yeah. And the same thing, like um, you know, on the super high aspect stuff, like the um, the P one hundred and eighty, that newer GoFoil that just came out. That's a it's super super high aspect. That one's got an insane amount of glide. And what I'll do when I'm pumping out to sea. And I know you do this on your 190 too. If you're you're going over a roller, I'll use the lift on the front edge of the wave and and just pause. Like I, I call it pause glide. So I'll just pause and allow myself to ride over that wave, keeping the foil nice and high. And I'll glide over that wave, taking advantage of the lift on the front of the wave and then gliding through the funkier, less lift part of the back of the wave. And maybe that glide ends up being like a, you know, sometimes it feels like a 20 or a 30 foot glide before I have to pump again, but I haven't, you know, I I could pump two or three times in the mix of that, or I could just choose to be more efficient and glide over that whole thing and just take advantage of that little bit of extra lift, get through the funky section in the back and then get back into my, into my uh, maintenance cadence.
0: Yeah. I call it leveling up. I feel like you get like a free level up. I look at pumping like this. Height versus speed versus energy problem. And oncoming waves give you a free opportunity to get high again, which gives you like potential energy to then yeah. utilize for gliding. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: So now you're now you're higher and you can glide down on the backside of the wave. Yeah, that that's a that's a good way to think about it.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um all right. So something else that you do and I do and from different it's cool because you and I have such similar interests but we've come at these things from from different places and i shape boards vast majority of my shaping has been in cad programs and you shape boards and you are just an incredible craftsman a hand craftsman of of shaping things and so it's been fun to to have these conversations because we we come at it from a different place, but your foil boards are amazing Um, for anyone who wants to check them out. Flyline productions on Instagram. Um, If you're looking for a new board, check out what Mike's doing. It's insane. And no one spends more time in research and design, especially on the connection systems for foils than Mike does. And a lot (laughs) of the insights that I have gotten, over the last year have come from our conversations, things that you have tested. Um, and then I rip off. So, uh, thank you. (laughs) Uh, It goes both ways, but it's probably, probably in your favor there. But, um, yeah, talk through your, talk through your mindset in, in design for foil and also in making foil boards that work and last.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, man, foil boards are a weird, weird animal. You know, I've, I've, been shaping for probably roughly 15 years. I probably got like 200 plus regular surfboards under my belt. I used to make longboards, that was kind of my niche. I, I made nose riders, like I said, I was obsessed with nose riding and dug let pretty cu- deep into the go
0: ahead. I was gonna say, let me cut in here for a second because this is funny. When I was learning to glass, I started out shaping on a computer and outsourcing glassing, and I figured I was getting ripped off, and I was getting ripped off. But I was like, you know what? This is stupid. Like, I know that if I ever want to be able to hire someone to do something, I need to know how to do it myself. I'm going to learn how to glass. So I started scouring the internet to learn how to glass. And I found this one guy who's doing this crazy cool resin work. And I watched this video like 20 times. I didn't realize that it was your video until we had been <laughs> friends for like a year and a half. I and know, I, that, that it was so weird, up. man. It was you made glass and some, some retro twin. Uh, but you explained yeah, it, it all like just like, like we're a- talking right now. And I was like, it was, it was beautiful. So um all right go ahead I had to get that out there
1: yeah I know that cracked me up yeah so um you know with with regular board shaping and I'm super deep into the longboard shaping and the nose riding you know the the way I would design a board that is meant to ride on the surface of the water is completely different than the way I'm designing a foil board and that it was hard to make that like mental transition and mindset on those shapes but if uh, you know a foil board I'm, you know, I'm not making a board to, to perform while planing like, like a surfboard is, you know? So there's so many weird little, um, things you have to think about with a foil board. And, um, I think, you know, where I've kind of landed, I, I want to, I want to have plenty of volume on a prone board for me to paddle into a wave. That's like, you know, that's, that's like step number one. I got to be able to catch a wave. Right. So volume is going to help me catch a wave. And then I think about surface area, you know, surface area and volume together will help me get into the wave. And then it's like, okay, well, what's going to help me lift up onto the foil the best, you know, and that's when those bottom contours start to come in. And it's a double edged sword, because a lot of the bottom contours we see on foil boards create more drag, but they allow you to get away with certain things like like touchdowns, you know, when you when you dip a rail in the water on a turn. So there's definitely like a a a balance of, of how much funky contours you're going to put in. And I've lately landed on simpler is a little better. Um, you know, like me and you've had pretty in-depth discussions on like the, the double barrel concave and the super extreme stuff that we're seeing on some foil boards versus just a flat bottom, you know, or versus a short board that may have a concave bottom and where, where those things have their, their pros and cons. But, um, I'm kind of landing on, A simpler is better. I want to keep my rails to where they're going to allow for a touchdown without tracking too bad, but also allow for as much water release as I can get. The more water that's touching a board, the more wetted surface area, the more drag you have, right? So I'm trying to do things to allow water to release off of a board,
0: you know, in a nutshell. And you're one of the last advocates for the tuttle system. Talk talk about that a little bit, yeah. and some of the feels that yeah. you have from that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the, the, what I love about the tuttle system is that I can shape a board the bottom exactly how I want it. And I can depend on the water moving through the hull the way it was intended to move through a hull with the tuttle system. Now, and like I had this epiphany when I was you know, I shaped this board and I, I did these weird things on the tail towards the back to really release water. I had kind of a hard edge past the um the foil mount area um and in an effort to release water, you know, just like you would on a shortboard. Like shortboards have really hard edges on the tail, and that's to release water. You don't want the water of a shortboard to wrap around the rail. You're just like I said, increasing wetted surface area, so you're increasing drag. But when I do that on a foil board and then I put a plate on it. I've defeated my efforts, you know. It's like, oh, I make this perfect board that's going to release water in the perfect area, and then I put a big block on it, you know, and like, and and you crushed all your efforts right there. So that's where the tuttle comes in. It's such a clean, simple design for efficiency on the bottom of a board, you know. And I, for for me personally, if I'm making a a personal board that I know I'm the only one that's going to be riding it. I want to put a tuttle in it because there's just less drag, there's less weight, it's it's more efficient. The problem is is I make boards for myself and I ride them for a few months, and then I decide I want to change something and I want to sell it, and nobody wants a tuttle, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so I've started putting boxes in my personal boards too because you know I can't I can't move a board with just a tuttle in it because that's only for you know a, I don't know two percent of the people that are foiling are using tuttle only. So I'm kind of screwing myself if I just put a tuttle in it, but I just I I love the simplicity of a tuttle, especially if you're making a board. You know I know, uh, you know I know where my stance is on a four six because I've made, you know, plenty of them, and you know that's a perfect example. Like I could use a tuttle, and I don't I don't need to move it around. I don't need to reposition my mask because I know exactly what I want. So then I in the end I get a more efficient lighter board. You know with the tuttle.
0: Yeah. But- the thing for me though, and I've watched you surf all your titles and I need you surf all of your wings. Well, especially on your, your go-to boards, I've seen it all, but I move different foils to different places. I have markings on the bottom of my boards and you know, my MFC 1600, I put in a different spot than the 1400 and the same goes for, you know, all the signature gear. So right. I like the ability to change around the feel of a board depending on what I'm riding and depending on conditions too. You know, like it might be a big day and and maybe I want to ride the, you know, 1400, but I want a tighter turning radius. So I'll move it back in the box and then shim it all the way up. So I like the flexibility of what that, that gives you.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can't argue against the flexibility of the boxes. Just so your viewers know, first of all, you, Eric is a, what I call a foil slut, like truly, (laughs) truly a foil slut. This guy will ride one foil one day and, and call me up and be like, Oh man, this is the one, like this is, it was this one all along. You know, this is my love, my, my foil love. Like, um, this is the one I'm going to be on one week later, maybe not even picks up some other foil from uh, to me, a totally different company, you know, and then does the same thing. And I'm always calling you out. Like it's so, if I was in your shoes, absolutely, like boxes, no question asked, because you're bouncing around with your gear so much. But for me, I'm riding the same exact GoFoil mask, and the only thing I'm switching up is my front and my tail wings. And, you know, that hasn't um, – so far, the way GoFoil has been been balancing it out, I, I don't find that I have a urge to move my position that much. Yeah. When I'm just changing when I'm just changing the wings. And I think, mean, like you said, that it definitely depends on the brand you're riding and if you're switching a lot, for sure. I mean, boxes hands down. but but for yeah. me, being on specifically GoFoil stuff, I feel confident in in a tuttle system because you know I'm not moving my stuff around that much. And I'm finding, too, if I wanted to change my foot position or or the you know the mass position, I can always shim just a little in a direction and that will kind of do something similar to where my stance is in relation to the foil too. So I'd rather just move the plate, but I can get a similar effect by, I mean, I'm talking like a credit card or less gym, you know, mm-hmm. might make a difference on an inch on my foot position even, you know? Yeah. So that was yeah.
0: warranted. I feel like you calling me out there.
1: Yeah. Dude, you, I mean the biggest foil slut there is
0: this guy. Um, <laughs> I just, I just love, I love all of it. I love all foils. I get I it. I think it's I like, awesome.
1: It's, it's cool to hear your stories you go through, you know, it's just like how hearing learned, your brother talk about, talk about all those girlfriends he's got, you know, like it's fun to listen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any girlfriends anymore. Um, just foils. No, you don't, you don't
1: need them. You have foils. Yeah. That's
0: right. Um, you, you know, you were talking about shimming, and like the high aspect wings and something else that we went through a while back was you and I at the same time. Cause I think it's right when we started doing the shore runners and it was really impressed, you know, like how fast we uh, were shore, able to go in the shore, shore runners. runners. Oh,
1: that's a whole nother, a whole oh, other thing. It's
0: the best thing. <laughs> but keep going. It's, so about the forward pitching moment about as we started going faster, how the high aspect wings start to draw your nose down, you and I were both going through the yeah. same thing there. Yeah, um, for sure it's such an interesting feeling to start to top out a wing and to feel how the lift changes. And at the beginning, when you're going fast, you start feeling it on that front foot. But then as you increase speed, increase speed, now all of a sudden you're back foot weighted. Um, yeah. Such a cool, cool moment.
1: Right. Yeah. That's definitely a weird, a weird feeling. And something I've, I've kind of tried to balance out, for you know like in in uh, like my gl 210 for instance if i put too small of a tail stabilizer on that i get a much earlier forward pitching moment in speed than i than i would otherwise so you know whereas in a super small wave it might feel really good on connection turns and stuff like that um but if i get on a bigger wave and i have a really high line and i'm getting a bunch of speed i'm i'm fighting it with my back foot i'm trying to keep the thing over the water you know so it's like you know a lot of people talking about the chop shop and stuff you know it's like that's the downside to the chop shop one of the downsides to the chop shop you you may you may just decrease your your speed range or your foil essentially because you're not going to be able to control it when you get all that forward pitching
0: right you know? how much is that controllable by shim though
1: um that's a good question I, and that's something I've, I've played with uh quite a bit and um I, you're, you're definitely, you can only shim to a certain extent, you know, and I don't know what the degrees is, like the numbers, like the the hard numbers on it, but I, I have a really small tail wing I made and, um, I was riding it with the 210 and it wasn't quite enough. It wasn't quite enough of that stabilizer downward lift that I needed. So I kept shimming and I kept shimming. And then I got to a point that it just felt weird man like I think I was riding with you that day and you were like oh that looks awful change that out you know you remember that yeah and I was telling you it was I I just shimmed my my tail like crazy so there's definitely a a happy medium on how much you can get away with shimming you know and I I think at some point you just need to I, I gotta I gotta have a bigger tail wing you know
0: it's interesting to me how much shimming changes pump mechanics yeah you know um, yeah, for
1: sure.
0: I mean, it slows you down, but there's certain wings I think pump better, and there's certain wings that I, you know, like the one ninety shimmed. I think pumps not nearly as good, but the MSC stuff shimmed, I really like pumping it. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. I, to, um, go ahead.
1: I, I was just gonna say, um, you know, I've always kind of like mentally thought through, like, man, what if I just you know, cause I've always noticed the smaller and smaller I go on my tail wing, the, the faster I'm going, you know, it's, de- it's definitely less drag, especially if you're not compensating by shimming a ton, it's definitely less drag. And I'm like, man, what, like, do I need a tail wing? You know, could I just, could I go all the way and just knock out all that drag? And in theory, in theory, I think you would have the fastest setup to travel through the water. But the problem is you wouldn't be able to control it at all. Like with pumping, you, you there's nothing to press on behind you I think your stance would have to be like so short it would just be uncontrollable so there's a certain point where you know with like you know chopping tail wings down and getting super small to increase your efficiency where you're decreasing your efficiency because you're just not able to control it does
0: that make sense absolutely I mean fish and, fish and birds have tails
1: yeah and there's yeah there you go that's a because <laughs> they have to right yeah, yeah.
0: Cause they like to turn and not get eaten. Yeah. Um, man, there's so much that we could go into here. What what do you, what do you want to talk about?
1: Oh man. Um, let's, Oh dude, let's talk about shore runners.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about shore runners. I just
1: just love shore runners.
0: I think it's the most untapped piece of foiling so far.
1: It's so untapped. So for, for the, for the listeners that don't really maybe know much about what we have local conditions wise, you know, we're living in Florida on the East Coast, and, you know, we get, we get marginally decent surf from time to time. But for the most part, we're limited to pretty small waves, perfect foil waves, right? This is why I'm so foil-brained because now I finally live in a perfect place for one of the water sports I wanted to do. But we also get a lot of – we get a lot of these Northeasters. Like Flor- North Florida especially is known for getting these Northeasters. And what happens on our coast is we get these sideways swells. So our coast runs north to south and when you get this hard north or north northeast wind we just get these you get these wind bumps it's it's always short period because it's a wind swell but they just run right down the beach and I was looking at it one day and I'm like man like if I just go with it I wonder how far I could go and how many connections I can make and um and luckily where I live in St Augustine we can drive on the beach so I had my wife come out with me one day and um and just uh, kind of follow me along the coast. And I just stayed just in the surf line, like kind of like right just outside of the surf line, I guess you could say. Like I'm not doing a true downwinder in deep water. Um, I'm in the surf line, but the angle of the swell, I'm able to just catch left after left after left. And the pumping is easier because you have the wind going with you. And it's such a cool dynamic to – pump down the shore and connect dots. And I'm finding I can I can capture energy in the weirdest little places, like the smallest little wind chop, especially with these super high aspect wings. I'm I'm catching energy. And I'll go a mile at a time or more on on one one wave catch, you know, just making like 10, 15 plus connections. And it's just it's just mind-blowing how fun that is and how untapped it is. Like I'll go through a six mile downwinder and not see a single person in the water, you know? And I'm like, I'm having so much fun and nobody else is touching on that. All the surfers that are sitting at home, like wishing the surf was better. And I'm like, dude, you guys are blowing it, (laughs) you know?
0: And it's amazing how fast you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm clock, I've got a recently got one of the Apple watches and I'm using some of those surf apps. I mean, I'm, I'm clocking over 20 miles an hour pretty frequently on heavier wind um, shore running conditions. We're calling it shore runners because it's not really a true downwinder. Like you see the guys doing in Hawaii when they're in like a thousand feet of water and they're riding like deep water swells. I mean, I'm still riding waves that will break soon, you know? So we're just running down the shore and it's amazing and nobody does it except for me and you basically.
0: (laughs) It, It is probably the thing that I, the biggest surprise in foiling to me was how fun that was so far.
1: Yeah, for sure. Especially yeah, to take, when
0: the conditions line up right. To take a day that you would never look at as a surfer and to have it be one of the most fun things you can, you can do, you know what, like my last few were the first that I did on the MFC setup and that even like blew me away. That wing is so efficient. Uh, there's so little drag that once you have speed, it's easy to keep it. And yeah. the turning is so good on it. All of a sudden the shore runners turned into just you know, half a mile like legit surfing, like carving. Yeah. You know, don't go upwind too much, but you know, just top turn, bottom turn, like in the pocket type stuff. And I uh, just unreal.
1: Yeah, I do the same thing. So for me it's like, you know, depending on the conditions, I might look at it and say, Oh, I want to be on the one eighty today, like and get some super long, easy glides and easy pumps. Or I might go, Oh man, some of those connection turns look like they could be sick. Like let me let me put my one forty on today and you know and then and then the session kind of changes from the goal being you know connecting dots with super efficient pumping and glides to connecting dots with you know much more surfy moves you know but still going downwind and still good you know entering connections with more speed than i would before because i've got a little wind at my back and i've yeah. you know maybe ridden some some wind swell energy in between two waves it's such a weird dynamic
0: man it's so cool It is so fun. And when you can get it, what you'll have happen a whole lot. And I like the Southeast winds more, the South winds more because I'm regular foot. That's because you're regular. Yeah. yeah, It's so much more fun. And Mike likes going front side, So he likes the Nor'easters more. But on both, in both, in both situations, you get like a pretty much uh, perpendicular to the beach wave and then you get the heavy angled North or South swell. And the butter zone is when you can connect right at the intersection of that little wedge.
1: The wedge. Um, the,
0: the, those moments when you can connect those, like like in those moments of that little wedge, it's it's just unreal how fast it is. If you can hop over that bump or time it right, yeah, just unreal. Sure. Yeah. What else? Um, Man, Oh, uh,
1: one, one thing I wanted to touch on. Another thing here. Kind of, you know, somewhat similar to the to the shore runners is is wing foiling because I'm seeing I'm just starting to dive into that and I'm seeing so many so much potential with wing foiling here, you know, for the same reason. I mean, the the northeasters we get the wind and we've got shoals out here in St. Augustine. We've got a little inlet and this sandbar that kind of stretches out like. Yeah, it seems like it's a mile out to sea. I mean, I don't know. You've ridden it with me. How far out do the shoals go? It's a mile. Yeah. I mean, you know, three plus minute rides are pretty easily attainable, but I see my future with, with wing foiling is going out off the beach, hopping on the wing, foiling myself out to the shoals and then whipping myself into waves via the wing and just doing it over and over and over again. And I'm super pumped on that. I, I think I still that want to out there with moves. me. Yeah, the the ski is super fun, but you don't want to be out there on a ski when the wind's blowing
0: either. No, you know? but I'm just the I ski- wouldn't I wouldn't want something to go wrong, and I'm out a mile in that inlet, dude. I know there's some big fish in that inlet, man.
1: Yeah, I've I've hit them. They're definitely there. <laughs> 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 I got I got yarded by one the other day. It was so creepy. Oh my god!
0: When I hit that so hard.
1: I thought he was going to float up dead next to me or something.
0: Oh, God. When I lived in St. Augustine, we used to take the boat out to the secret spot, and I used to see shark most days I was surfing out there.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been seeing more sharks now that I'm foiling because I have a better viewpoint. Yeah. You know, just being that extra foot or two over the water, especially like in the south end of our county where the water gets a little more clear, Man, it it's helps. so weird when you're pumping along and you see a sh- i mean, the guys in Hawaii with clear water and stuff are used to it, but for me, it's like ugh, every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you mentioned that big old slingshot foil. um That was what I learned on in Costa Rica, and it's called. The, I rode the the ride engine, which was called the Manta, and yeah. one day same was, exact wing though. It's yeah. the exact same wing. Yeah, it's just a different yeah. brand. And one day I was, it was, it was hilarious because I was riding the manta and I was in about four feet of water, just kind of flying in pretty clear water. And I looked down and there was a manta ray schooled up next to me, just like literally in like the, the A glide path, wing to wing with my foil, just chilling. Uh, it was weird. Awesome. Yeah.
1: That's like too perfect. You know, there was, the, yeah. the name of the wing and the, <laughs> man, I got a buddy, um, in, uh, lives in Coco he's got the craziest Instagram feed. I wish I could remember it to like tell the viewers, but is that um, Latham? he, he, no, um, it's a uh, Le, Leroy, Leroy Damo, I think is his name. He's, he's a, a big, he kite yep. Yeah. Yeah. Big kite order, Right. Yeah. Dude, you hop on, hop on his Instagram and watch. He went kite foiling when the spinner sharks were running through, like they, they kind of migrate and they got better clear water down there. Like Coco Jupiter area. and, these sharks will like they'll follow the foil because, like, the foil is kind of buzzing, you know, like you get that hum at some point. And, um, especially with kite foils because they're getting they're going so fast, like, at some point, every foil is gonna do some sort of weird little hum, you know. And these sharks were like following his his tail stabilizer, like, so curious about it because it was making that buzz. And it's the coolest video. I think he had his GoPro attached to the kite so you could see straight down in the water. Oh, wow. And, um, and to see the way the sharks reacted to that was a little trippy. And I, I try not to think about that when I'm in the surf line, you know. But, um,
0: <laughs> Did yeah. you see what just I happened to Michelle Perez? Sure. No. Um, go check out Michelle Berez's Instagram if you guys haven't done it yet. He was doing a downwinder in Tahiti uh, a couple days ago. And a hammerhead hit his foil and took off his back wing.
1: Oh, dude, it's the buzz, I'm telling you. It's For everybody that has foil if they have wings that buzz and i like i've you know refined like all of the any if i get a buzz on a on a wing it's usually because the trailing it's usually the tail wing first of all because they have short cords and it's usually the trailing edge could just be foiled a little bit better you know like a little sharper i'm not trying to make knives out there you know but like if you have a super flat edge on the, on your tail stabilizer and you're getting a home. That's why. And if you go and you sand that down a little bit and just make that to where the water is going to be a little happier to roll over it, you probably lose that buzz. The The buzz drives me nuts. Like if I, have, when I have wings that do that, I'm like, ah, I got to fix that. I got to, you know, and it's all, they're usually fixable. You can just go sand that area down. I see you get out of the water to sand down a wing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sand out a wing, change shims, get weird. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about like a, a water bag to bring with me so I could make adjustments in the water and I don't have to go out on the beach so much.
0: <laughs> it's dangerous. I feel like I'm going to lose gear. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, what, let's talk about gofoil tails real quick. I just made um, a new tail with down tips. It's kind of blowing my mind. Um, what gofoil tail setups do you have and, and what do you like the most? And you make your own. So, wings. Talk, talk about the the, yeah. the new one you made too.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, GoFoil's got um, – let's see. They've got – it's an 18-inch flat one. I think this is the one that pairs pretty good with like the GL-210s or, or a 240 or a 180, like the slightly bigger high aspect stuff. And um, they've got two different 18-inch wide, completely flat. They're very low-profile, super-efficient wings. Um, one of them has a little bit narrower of a cord than the other i played with both of those i ended up liking the narrower cord a little more because i felt like it um through turns i could i could press against it a little more and have a little bit more reaction to the you know the front wing and the whole turn um but i'd say over the last i think like over the last year they came out with some um some similar wings as those flat ones, but they flipped up the tips. And I really, I really like those because I so like the, that little, little bit out. extra Yeah. So I'm trying to, I, I wish I could go look at them. They're on the, it also depends on which pedestal you have because some of the, some of the pedestals mount on the top, some of them mount on the bottom. So I, I'd have to think about which side the flip is tipped, the uh, tip is flipped to, but I, I want to say it's on the, um, flip to the low pressure side the high pressure side i'm sorry it's flipped to the high pressure side
0: so from, from a aerodynamic standpoint that seems wrong
1: right right and i that yeah because we and we talked about that and that's something i wanted to revisit and um so the the wings that i've made i made myself a really flat um small wing that i that i really like on the 140 but it's pretty much unusable on the 210 that's the one that i shimmed like crazy and it got awkward i was talking about earlier yeah. and I, to some extent i like the i like a flat tail wing because you can press through the yaw movement of a turn and kind of like you can almost like overcome the wing and get like a little bit of a side slip and i i do like that feeling mm-hmm. but there's a there you can definitely get too much of a good thing in, in that respect you know I, lately I've gravitated a little bit more towards a slight flip in the tail wing just to stabilize that and I can still push through that stability if I want to but I'm not getting surprised by um, a yaw slip where that's what was happening on the super small flat wings I was I would you know maybe do a bottom turn or something or a hard top turn and I would get like a little surprise side slip yeah. and the flip tip has taken that out of the equation
0: um <laughs> so i I don't like that side slip too much unless I'm in the foam, and I find right. that the new down tips that I have i I've ended up shimming it a little bit more I've only got two sessions under my belt on it but and i I trimmed between the first and second section session i I reshaped the uh, winglets and I made them look more like a surf fin almost same height yeah but I raked them back farther and Um, I find that I like that it doesn't slip at all and I've shimmed it more to get a a, a more aggressive turning arc out of it. But now I've got a a tighter turning arc with a more stable ride, which I like. I can push on it really hard, which I like. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. Like with, yeah. And with pumping too, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta have something that you can push on a little bit. It's like we were talking about earlier, you know, there's a, a limit on how small you can go so the last tail wing i made um it i, I don't want to say it works better than than the stock go foil tail wings but it definitely works just as good and it's so badass because <laughs> just full nerding out i modeled it after a uh, the peregrine falcon wing like the outline of a peregrine falcon wing um that's that's how nerdy i get with this stuff um but it's so fun to to foil it out and just like fine tune every little detail of that wing and that's one cool thing about when you get a foil set up like the GoFoils that have a really simple um tail stabilizer mount, you can do stuff like that so I can take leftover carbon fiber scraps from my boards I'm making and lay up a you know lay up a bunch of carbon fiber and and make a make a new tail wing you know and that's super fun um but i don't I don't think it works better than than what what I have stocked from gofoil. It's just fun to play around with. You know, new things, and it just looks so badass. I
0: love it. <laughs> I think it's also fun to ride stuff you made.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: You know, for sure. Um, well, right on, man. I'm running up into about a ten minute deadline I've got here. So, how do you want to end this thing? What do you want to? What do you want to dive into for the last couple minutes?
1: Oh man, um, I don't know, man. Foiling
0: is just. A- it for for, actually here you go let's take it out of the technical what has foiling done for your life in florida because i think this is something that there's a lot of people that are like man should i get into foiling and you know buddies that surf in florida or um who are a little bit around the country around the world that are a little apprehensive about the cost to get into it or um the learning curve um
1: no that's definitely a good way to that's a good way to end because it is it has completely changed the amount of fun I'm having in the water. It's completely changed the amount I look forward to, um, you know, marginal at best surf. I I look forward to windy, total shit, like, surf conditions now, you know? That's what foiling has given to me. You know, when we we're talking about the shore runners, like, I look forward to these Northeasters that take all the rest of the surfers and put, you know... Make them stay at home. Like those are so fun to me now, and that's something that like nothing other than maybe kiteboarding can can give me. You know, as far as conditions, just opened up so many doors on how much the time I can spend in the water. And then there's so many different disciplines in foiling. Like we talked about wing foiling, you can tow foil. You got the shore runners straps. You know, you can go when when it's flat. I'll go I'll go to a buddy's dock and I'll just do flat water pumping. And even that I get a, a ton of fun out of. It's completely opened up all the doors here. Um, and I, I mean, I see guys in Hawaii doing they're, – they're like dodging pipeline crowds and they're going around some corner to find some foily mush wave and they're having the time of their life, you know? Like, like why would you not want to do that here, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the kind of best indicators of how incredible foiling is is that how many guys now on tour – are traveling with foils and sneaking out at every opportunity to go foil? And these are guys that are getting paid to surf. You're not seeing that. Yeah. You didn't see that with stand-up. You know, with stand-up guys were, you know, trying to get there, they were just surfing when they were when they were paid to do it, you know, basically right. at the end, anyways. Yeah. Um, it's just so addictive. What why is it so addictive? What what is what does foiling give you from a mental state physical state standpoint
1: man uh, everything about foiling is addictive first of all but i think the uh, the the biggest thing for me is like it's it's the reach you know i just i have so much more reach when i'm on a foil like the whole the whole lineup is this big playground now you know i'm not just sitting on a board waiting for the perfect peak to come to me i i will go to it like i once i'm up on a foil like it's like the world's my oyster like I'm going to go after and get what I'm looking for and I will I, I will make it happen and can make it happen and that is you know I, that's like a, a crazy a crazy feeling to be able to hop up on foil and look way out back and go I want that one and go get it you know like I can't get enough of that the connections and the, the speed and then you're on it and you're on it way before anybody else would have ever been able to entertain catching a wave you know and you're setting up your lines and i mean the speed and the you know doing cutbacks and getting more speed there's so many little things about foiling that just like dopamine overload you know like <laughs>
0: it's just <laughs> yeah uh we, we had a good day up here last week and mm-hmm. i I was riding the 190 the signature stuff and i, I can pump that pretty good and it was pretty crowded and we were surfing this like point break up in rhode island and i had maybe two where i kicked out and pumped way out back and had four or five turns before i even came to where a surfer could catch the wave like i was already like going down the line doing a turn going down the line doing a turn and i was kicking out and and just doing that like i wasn't even i wasn't anywhere close to another surfer they were all stoked anyways they like it was pretty cool but, Man,
1: you could kick out, let him have have the wave and go do it all over again and yeah. never even bother. That's what I was anybody, doing, you know. That's yeah. what I was doing. I That's wasn't awesome. even
0: competing for the wave. I was I was chipping in way inside of everybody on little foamies and then yeah. pumping past the lineup way out back yeah. and then just riding swell and then just I did that on repeat for like 2 hours. It was unreal.
1: I love it. That brings up something that I, you know, there's Kind of a weird resistance in some of the surfing community towards foiling. I, I personally don't understand it. You know, I'm 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 looking for a different wave than than I would be if I was on a, a shortboard. You know, I don't, I'm I'm not looking for the same wave as as everybody else is looking for on the shortboard. You know, so I don't really understand the, the you know the, and it's not everywhere. It's not with everybody, but there's definitely some resistance with a lot of the surf um, local surf people that you know, like, ah, oh, foiling, like, oh, I don't want to get into that as, you know, weird or whatever, kind of like the sup, you know, when the sup came out, like short kind of hated on the sup. I'm still, I'm seeing some of that with foiling and it, it blows my mind because like I'm saying, we're not going after the same thing. And it's a, it's just increasing my, my water time and I'm riding stuff that they don't even want to ride.
0: You know, I, I think it's a sunk cost thing. I think that if you've spent 10 years trying to get good at surfing and now you're getting to a level where you're pretty decent at surfing or you've invested a life doing it, a lifetime doing it. You don't want to go back and be a kook. And you want to believe what you're doing is the best thing and it's what you should have been spending right. time doing. And so to to then go and say, hey, that's better. Now you have to like challenge all the work that you've done. And there's some people See, that just don't want to go through that.
1: You're, you're right. And that's what separates guys like me and you and other people who foil from, from the rest of everybody. Because – I have no problem being a kook. I, like I love it. being a kook because when I'm a kook, that means I'm learning. Yep. That means I'm progressing at something new. You know, you have to be a kook to like some you you're always gonna start at kook level, you know. But that that progression path is like that's why I've jumped around in all the other water sports I've jumped around in because I love something new. And that's what is doing for me right now. It's so new, it's so new in general, and then it's so new to me that I like I just can't get enough of the progression. Every time I go out, it's like, you know, I'm I'm just learning and that's so fun, you know? But that takes a certain person. I mean, like I you know, you're like that and a lot of other foilers have a mindset like that. And I have no shame in being a kook to learn something new.
0: So oh, I just I can't, can't
1: I can't, yeah. you know <laughs> I can't see that side of it because I just I I do not care. I
0: will look like a kook if that means learning foiling. You know yeah. What I say to folks, is it worth being really bad and having to go through the learning process to change especially in Florida, the East Coast type stuff, to, to change where you live to be epic. It's basically like with a year's yeah. worth of work, you can live in one of the world's best surf spots. It seems like yeah. such a no-brainer to me. It seems like the it very is, best is. investment <laughs> that you could possibly make. I have no desire to go on surf trips anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can we can go we get best evers
1: Yeah, day. exactly. It feels like, you know, it feels like a surf trip sometimes when I'm, when we're foiling because oh, we just yeah. get it it's so good. It's so good. It's so fun. And it just feels like you just apparated down to Nika or something, you know, yep. unreal.
0: Yep. Right yep. on, man. All right. So how do people find you? How do they buy your boards? Which I think everybody, if you're looking for a board, go check out what Mike does. It's insane. Um, his new stuff is coming out so light. We didn't even get into how you're making the board so strong, but you've spent, and I've been a part of the journey the last five months figuring out how to make a box that is not possible to break even for someone like me i've tested them um, one of my favorite boards that i ride all the time you guys have seen it in a lot of my instagram videos is a board mike shaped me um the 50 glide i think he calls it um yeah but yeah how do people find you how do they buy your boards and uh yeah, all that good stuff? Um,
1: Instagram's probably my biggest platform I use. Um, I post a ton of, there's a ton of foil and videos on there. I, I usually post up, you know, if I finish a, a fresh shape or something, um, I'll post it up there. And that's Flyline underscore productions. Um, that's probably the best way to reach me. If anybody ever had any questions or just wanted to reach out, just direct message me on, on Instagram. Um,
0: and hit up Mike with yeah. questions because of everyone I talk to, Mike spends as much if not more time thinking about all this stuff so if you have a question about something hit up Mike I'm sure he'll respond I'd love he loves- Dan,
1: yeah yeah uh, yeah for sure I'm, I'm constantly thinking on this stuff and I have a bad habit of over answering questions because I just my mind just goes so deep in it you know all the time but um yeah I'd love to love to answer any questions and have people reach out about stuff for sure
0: right on man well this was long overdue we'll do it again um Stoked! We finally uh, recorded a pod. We've been talking about this for like the last six months, so finally yeah, for put it sure. together.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. All right, brother. Right on, man. Thanks, Eric. It's good times.